Praise God. Amen. Well, join me if you would. You brought your Bible. You have one on your phone or your device there. Open your Bibles to Psalm 92. Psalm 92. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Psalm 92. Did you know everything is going to be all right? <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. You got to just tell yourself that. Just go ahead. Like Faith said, you got to change your attitude, just do it. Amen. Uh, praise God. Uh, well, if you're visiting us and you're new, we've been in a series that's real common for, for me, the way I minister. But get on a subject, just stay on it for a while. And uh, so we're eight or nine weeks into a series that we've called The Local Church. Uh, so few people, so few Christians really have a revelation or a, a right biblical understanding of God's purpose for the church in the earth and in our lives. And if you've ever encountered a time or a season where you need to know what is God's plan and purpose for the church, it is now. Amen? Amen. This is a time for the church to rise. This is a time for the church to stand up tall. This is the time when we can proclaim to the world we do, in fact, have the answer. Amen? Praise God. So don't you let the sinner out there, let you know, them see your knees knocking together in timidity and fear. Amen? The Bible says that the righteous are bold as a lion. The wicked are the one that flee when no man pursues. Praise God. I tell you what, what, what good news it is to me. How uh, assuring and anchoring it is to my soul to know that no matter what happens, Amen. That I have an abiding, unending, unbreakable covenant with Almighty God. Amen. Amen. If they run out of ink and can't print money anymore, you know what? Praise God. I have a covenant with God that says, My God shall supply all of my needs according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Amen. If the hospitals close, they get no more supplies. There's no more medicine. You know what? Jesus is still my physician. He is my healer. Amen. Praise God. We need to be leaning into this thing and moving forward in the Spirit. Amen. Now, I know and I will confess, I, I, I've been one. You can slip in there. There's so much uh, out there just flooding our social media, flooding us with rumors and innuendos and uh, suspicions of what might happen. And maybe it will, you know, different things and, and all of that. But I want to I just encourage you up front. Devote at least that much time that you're giving yourself to videos and websites and news articles and Facebook rumors and all of that. Are you devoting that much time to your prayer life? Are you devoting that kind of time and focus and attention to the Bible and to worshiping God and praising God? I tell you what, our power and our victory, like my wife and team led us today, it's in the Spirit. That's where our victory is. That's where our peace comes from. That's where our real answers are. And as, as you just turn yourself away, come on, and, and get in the Lord's presence, if He needs to direct you and give you some instruction to help prepare you for what may come, He will. Amen? Amen. How many of you believe He will? Come on, He will. Does He love us? He loves us. Is He going to forsake us? No, He's not going to forsake us. But in all of our giving attention to things, we need to give attention to the Spirit of God. We need to give attention to the Holy Ghost. We need to give attention to His Word. Amen. Amen. I'm preaching to myself. Hallelujah. 
Glory to God. I told you to go to Psalm 92, right? So we've been talking for some weeks. If you're behind, you're, this is your first service. Uh, praise God. Again, we want to welcome our guests. You know, all of our, uh, you can get MP3s, like I said earlier. You can get CDs. But you could just download our podcast and subscribe. Go to our YouTube channel. Go back on Facebook. All that's free. Uh, amen. And catch up with us and feed on these things. And, of course, I can't go back and repeat all that we've already covered because we've got to move ahead in some things. Uh, amen. But we've been talking lately about the, the ministry of the pastor. Amen. And I want to say again as a disclaimer, this message is not about me. I, I just happen to have been chosen for this in this season of my life. Many of you, if you know my testimony, I, I didn't, you know, grow up. And when people said, what are you, you going to do when you grow up? You know, I, I didn't say I'm going to be a pastor. That's the farthest thing from my mind. If anyone thought himself disqualified, it was me for anything like that. No, I wanted to go into medicine. I wanted to go in and work in radiation therapy. I wanted to help cancer patients. That was my dream. That was my goal. And that's what I was doing. Not very well, but that's what I was doing when the Lord arrested my life. Amen. And set me on a course and on a track. So I didn't ask for any of this, but I'm honored. I'm honored that he put the gift of the pastor in me. Amen. But the ministry gift of the pastor is a key primary reason why he assigns every one of his children to a local church family. There are many, many reasons. But the number one reason why God would lead any person to a church is because he has ordained a ministry gift for them to receive from called the pastor. Now, the word pastor is a really a rare word in the New Testament, the actual word pastor. If I'm correct, it only appears one time in the book of Ephesians chapter 4. But the office of ministry, the function of ministry of the pastor, is referred to many, many, many times in the New Testament. If you look up the word pastor, the greatest synonym or replacement word for pastor is shepherd. They are exact synonyms. So the word pastor means shepherd. The word shepherd means pastor. So if you want to understand the role, what's really available in the ministry gift of the pastor, all you need to do is think through and meditate on, amen, the dynamic of a shepherd with his sheep. So if I, if I ever refer to the congregation, to you as sheep, that is not a derogatory term. I understand in the modern mindset, you know, that might be offensive or insulting, but I don't mean it that way and God doesn't mean it that way. The Bible calls you and me. I'm a sheep. You know, I have a pastor. Uh, but with you all in this dynamic, I, I, have, a, I have my own function. All right? And, uh, but the Bible calls you and I the apple of His eye. We are the apple of His eye. We are God's heritage. We are His sons and daughters. Amen? And the Bible calls us that God in His Word called us Himself. We are the sheep of His pasture. Amen? We are the sheep of His pasture. Jesus Himself carries the title of shepherd. He is the good shepherd of the sheep. Amen? You say, well, if that's true, if he said, why do, why do I need you? Well, because Jesus is not here. <laughs> that's just really the, the common, uh, the most simple, obvious answer. Now, what do you mean Jesus isn't here? Jesus lives in my heart. I'm sorry to tell you, honey, he doesn't. The Holy Ghost lives on the inside of you. The Spirit of God 
The third person of the Trinity is the one walking through life with you. And he is the one who connects you to Jesus, gives us access to the Father. Read your Bible if you think I'm, you know. Now, it's fine to tell the children, have you, do you have Jesus in your heart? Amen. But what we're really telling them is, have you submitted your life to him? Has you received, have you received Jesus, confessed him as your Lord and Savior? But it's not like when you do that, that Jesus leaves the right hand of the Father and climbs up in your body. That's the Holy Spirit that uh, comes and recreates your spirit and now puts you in a, a right relationship with Jesus. Now you can talk to Jesus, He'll talk back to you through the Holy Ghost, through the Word. Y'all get that right? You say, oh, you're splitting hairs. Well, maybe I am, but I'm biblically accurate about it. Amen. The Bible says, now you're in Psalm 92. That's where I want you to just, just put it in park there, and I'll be there with you in a minute. That's how Dr. Jacob said, just put her in park. I'll be right there. Amen. But in Ephesians chapter 4, talking about, remember when Jesus was raised from the dead, he kind of went back and forth on the turnpike between here and heaven during that 40 days. But he spent a large part of that of 40 days and 40 nights after he was resurrected from the dead on the earth. In his resurrected, glorified body, he's still living in today. Amen. Talking with his disciples. Uh, he would appear and disappear. He appeared to Mary Magdalene. He appeared to uh, his mother Mary. He appeared to the twelve. Amen. He had breakfast on the beach with Peter and some of the disciples. Had fish. Have I lost you? Amen. So he did all that. But then he ascended to take his semi-permanent place at the Father's right hand. Where he was going to you know, return to the glory he once had before he became a baby, right? And grew up and became a human being. And then to take his new place as the head of the body of Christ. As the administrator of the universal church. And it's from there that he conducts and oversees and administrates all the operations of all the body of Christ worldwide. But the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4 that as he ascended, and remember that was a physical bodily ascension. You can read about that in Acts chapter 1, the first few verses. The disciples there, many witnesses were there in Jerusalem on the Mount of Olives. And they watched Jesus just start floating up. What a sight. They did, he just started floating up. I don't know how fast, but he just started floating up, floating up. And before long, they're going like this. And he was taken out of sight into the clouds, and they were just left there dumbfounded, standing like that. So much so, two angels had to show up and go, Hey, boys, what you looking at? <laughs> the Bible's awesome. Just go read it. And they're standing like that. What, what do you mean what we're looking at? He said, This Jesus that you've seen ascent into heaven this way, in the same manner, he shall come back again. And he is. And we're closer to, oh my God, we're so close to. And I long for that day. But there's a work to be done. And that work that's to be done in the time that remains is going to be done through the local church. The local church. You know, my friend Dr. Hadabaugh, Pastor Dennis Hadabaugh, he pastors church on the rock in uh, Georgetown, Texas. Great friend of mine. He made this statement. He said, the local church is the only place on planet earth that God has ordained to feed your life. The church is the only place on earth that God has ordained to feed and nourish and develop your life. You're not going to get the full, the richness of nurturing and development as a human being and as a Christian at school. School 
theoretically, is supposed to educate your mind. And we're still doing that. We learn our ABCs, one, two, threes. I have a lot of issues with, you know, school, la, 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 indoctrination, blah, blah, blah. Amen. But education is still very important. That's the That's just natural knowledge, natural facts, natural stuff in our brain. But the development of our spirit, the development of our, the, the, the best part, the, the fullest part, the most important part, God's ordained one place on planet earth for that to happen. It's in the local church. And when Jesus ascended back to that scenario, the Bible says in Ephesians 4 that He, our Lord, Jesus, gave gifts unto men. So when He was on the earth, during the time He was ministering on the earth, He was the prophet. He was the apostle. He was the teacher. He was the evangelist. And He was the good shepherd. But when He ascended, He took those anointings in those ministry offices... And He gave them to men that He selected. Men and women. The word man in the Bible is anthropos, and it means human being. It does not mean male. So all the chauvinists out there need to read their Bible and learn a little bit of Greek language, read a concordance, and you'll quickly find God does not check someone's gender before He decides to call them and anoint them. <clears throat> Amen. I, can't, I don't have time to preach on that, but anyway... But in the local church, so we are, we are, Jesus broke apart and gave these ministry gifts to different people. But where do we expose our lives to these ministry gifts? In the local church. Now the primary gift we encounter in the local church is the ministry gift. It's very unique among the five. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor and teacher, what we call the five-fold ministry. Amen. Well, the pastor holds a very unique place among the five in that he is called to be set to live among the sheep, the sheepfold. He has been given the responsibility and the oversight of a local flock of God's people. You know, Dr. Jacobs, my spiritual father, stands in the office of the prophet. Well, have you noticed that you don't see him every week? Have you noticed you probably don't have his cell phone number to call when you're going to the hospital to have a procedure? And if you asked for it, he probably wouldn't give it to you. That's not his call. That's not his responsibility in the body. He, he has a very unique place. Amen? Amen. Do you notice that the Reverend Kamal's not here this morning? That's not because I, I, I can confidently assume that he's playing hooky. But he's in the office of the evangelist which means he's a traveling minister. But who's the one that God has said, tend to my sheep, live with them, be with them, take care of them, don't leave them, lay your life down for them? The pastor's office. Teachers can come in and go. See, this is this one, when you get this, when you begin to understand this, this is why you can understand. You should get this, understand. No podcast, no Facebook stream, no TV preacher, no seminar, no teaching center can ever take the place of the local church and the ministry of the pastor. You'd have to go back to previous lessons, but I've taught you from the Word of God that to not have a local church and to not have your life joyfully submitted to the ministry of a pastor is to sign up for your life to be scattered. Your marriages, your families won't thrive to fullness. You, you know, where's the place where your children are supposed to come up and be and, and nurtured and, and, and educated in the things right. of God and, and to have godly fellow? It's in the church. Amen. 
So you take your family out of the church, you neglect church meetings, you don't make church a priority, you don't listen to... You know, you might come to service, but that doesn't mean I'm your pastor because you come here every week. And that you're on the roll on the computer in the back office. Are you paying attention? Are you properly connected? Are you receiving? Are you listening? Are you putting anything I preach into practice? Only then could you really say I'm your pastor. But if you argue with me and you buck up against me and you want to challenge me all the time, then don't go out there and say, I'm your pastor. I'm just the one you rebel against. Amen. Hallelujah. See, on both sides of this pastoral sheep dynamic, you're going to give an account to God. Now I'm going to give an account to God about how I took care of you. This is why I, I cannot allow myself, like so many other God bless them ministers and churches have, their, their mission is to be popular with people, to be accepting with people, so they can gather more people, so that they can appear relevant to the culture. And it is not, God never told me, I can't find anywhere in the Word, God has never told me in time of fellowship, Chris, you need to be more popular with your people. No, I, I read things like, tend to them, tell them the truth. Tell them the truth in love. Feed them. Amen. Be a daddy to them. Be there for them. Hold them accountable. Be an example. But never in there is, he said, you know, spend half the week, you know, doing something to make Maurice like you better. I want you to like me. Everybody wants to be liked. Everybody wants to be accepted. I, I'm no different. Amen. But my job is to give you the truth. My job is to yield to that pastoral office and anointing that comes from Jesus so humbling, amen, and to allow Him to use me to help the body of Christ that He puts in my camp to grow up and to become equipped. This is why you'll hear me say church is school. Amen? <laughs> oh, praise God. Well, let's go ahead and read Psalm 92. In Psalm 92, verse number... 12, it says the righteous, are you the righteous? You are if Jesus is your Savior. The righteous shall what? Flourish. Now which word do you like better? Scattered? Flourish. I, we, we did a deep dive into the study of that word scattered, what it means. It means to be driven out into the wilderness, to be isolated and cut off. It means to be confused. It means to be harassed. It means to be helpless and in danger. Does that sound like anything anybody wants? You want the scattering buffet? Anybody want to go first? No, nobody wants to go first. But then you use this word flourish. Well, who likes that word? I like the word flourish. Well, let me give you a few words to describe what this word flourish means. It means to grow luxuriantly. Oh, man, sign me up already. To grow luxuriantly, I like this next word, thrive. Scattered, thrive. Family life, scattered, thrive. Finances, scattered, thrive. Sound mind, scattered, thrive. Sick, disease, weak, pain in body. Scattering of health or healthy. Strong, healed, whole, blessed, immune, immune supernaturally and imp impervious to the weapons of coronavirus and disease. 
That's called thriving. Wow, does God offer? He, he, he tells you you can have this or you can have that. Another way he said it all the way back in Deuteronomy chapter 30, stay where you're at. Amen. He said, this day I have called you to record that I have set before you life, death, blessing, cursing. And then like a good father, he gave you the answer to the test. Choose life. Choose blessing. Succeeding in life or being scattered in life comes down to a simple choice. People create a litany of reasons and a litany of, of excuses why things aren't going well in their life. And it could very well be that the, the single reason why things aren't going well in your life is you have no church and you have no pastor. Kenneth E. Hagin, if you're not familiar with this ministry, I really don't have time to give you too much background on him. He's been in heaven since September of 2003. But he was a visitation to this planet, to the body of Christ. If you don't know who he was, how God used him, and what his role in the body of Christ was, I encourage you to go, go seek out some info. Get in our bookstore. But anyway, one of the things that God told him to do was to raise up a Bible school in a ministry training center. He, called, he did that, called it Rama Bible Training Center. It's still in existence today under the leadership of his son and, uh, and other family members. Anyway, uh, tens of thousands of churches were planted by Rama worldwide during the Word of Faith movement. And so he wasn't a pastor, was he? But he was overseeing, he traveled, he did crusades, he was a gift of the body of Christ, he was an apostle, prophet, teacher, many things. But he had thousands of students come every year to his Bible school and his ministry training school. Well, in the midst of all of that, he started a prayer and healing school that was open to the public. You could come Monday through Thursday. And then in the midst, because God told him to. But then later on, he, did, he added something that God never told him to do. He opened up a counseling center. And one day coming up to the parking lot to go into prayer and healing school, and on the building, the Lord quickened him in his spirit, spoke to him in his heart, and said, what does the sign on this building say? So Brother Hagin looked up and told the Lord, Prayer and healing school. He read that back to the Lord. And the Lord said, why then are you counseling people? You added that. I never told you to open a counseling center. And then he made this statement. Don't you ever counsel anyone outside your own sheepfold. He said, now you can counsel the students that are coming to the school because they're your sheepfold during that time period. But you should not be counseling other people. Other people should be seeking counsel from their pastor. Now, I told you all that to get to this statement, what God said next. He said, whatever problem they're coming to counsel for, if they don't have a pastor, that's where their trouble is. God wasn't interested in what they were coming to counsel for. The state of their marriage, they're having financial problems, they have spiritual problems, they have health problems, they have mind problems. God was not interested. He said, the reason they have the problems they have if they're coming to you for counsel is that they don't have a pastor. Not having a pastor, a real one, is to sign up for scattering. But God has assigned a place where you and I can flourish. Where we can grow luxuriantly and thrive. 
Here's another definition of the word um, flourish. It means to achieve success and to prosper. Amen. They give the example in the dictionary like a flourishing business. That's a business that's succeeding, isn't it? That's a business that's prospering. Uh, I like this one. The word flourish means to be restored to a state of activity or production. You know, people who are flourishing, they are fruitful. You know what having a real pastor paying attention will cause your life, your Christian life, your human being life to be fruitful. You can become a fruitful godly wife, a fruitful godly husband. Fruitful, you'll have fruitful and godly children. Are you with me? You'll begin to uh, thrive. Fear will start getting out of your life under a real pastor. You'll have a sense of like a blanket of security that comes down because God gave you a spiritual daddy. Y'all remember what I said? This message is not about me. I'm talking about a ministry office. Amen. And that's why I've said, unless you have gotten, you know, your feathers ruffled, that the coronavirus is an attack on the church. It is an attack on sheep, among many other things. Because you can look at the effect. One out of five churches are in danger in America of never opening again. What is, that? What is the result of that? Scattered sheep. You got shepherds, and they may be really, really called to be shepherd, but if they're not developed in that ministry office, if they're not bold in that anointing, I'm not saying they're a false shepherd, but if they yield to fear and timidity and they don't know who they are and their responsibility, they can become a hireling shepherd, amen, and just shut down the church because they're scared. I, I can't shepherd you through Facebook. Over and over in the New Testament, it links the people that are being ministered to their face being seen by the one that God's called to minister to them. Paul said, I long, I long, I long, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3 or 2 verse 8, right around in there, I long to see your face that I might perfect that which is lacking or incomplete in your faith. But evidently he couldn't do that being pen pals. He had to get there, and they had to be there while he was under the anointing. Amen. I like this one, the word flourish. That's what we're doing right now, trying to do, is to define the word flourish. It means to grow luxuriantly, to thrive, to achieve success and to prosper, to be in a state of activity or production. It means to reach a height of development or influence. One dictionary says that the word means to regain life, to live again, to blossom. Come on. The, the word means to break forth like a flower bud breaking forth, like a, like a new seedling bursting forth out of the soil. Now, we're in Psalm 92. We're talking about this word flourish. Who flourishes? Let's let the Bible tell us, because you're not here for me, are you? You're not here for my opinion. It says, the righteous shall have all this that I just described. Like the palm tree, he shall grow like a cedar in Lebanon. Verse 13, what does it say? Very important. Mark these verses. Those that be, does it say those that visit? Those that come occasionally. 
Those that come when it's convenient. What is required? Planted. Now I'm going to turn the service over to my wife. She's going to talk to you a little while about gardening and planting. No, that'd be she'll just she'll just up me. She'd be too good. You won't want me back. So I'll just tell it to you. Okay. Potted plants never flourish. The best a potted plant could do is stay alive. As a Christian, without a pastor, without a local church, can you stay alive and get to heaven? Yes, but you'll have hell on this earth while you live here. You get a little bit of sunlight, amen, a little bit of water, but you won't get all God's ordained. And some people, they just firmly stomp their foot and they vehemently disagree with what I just said. You can disagree with me all you want, but you're disagreeing with the Bible. Because Christians out there, it's so popular to say, I can be a great Christian and grow and do all that God's told me to. I don't need a local church and I don't need a pastor. Well, then you are smarter than the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it it is the Lord Jesus Christ that set the ministry gifts in the church. Anybody want that tag? I'd be smarter than Jesus. It's either a misunderstanding, wrong teaching, wrong thing. I don't know where people got this idea. Amen. But wouldn't it be stupid for Jesus to know that people are, you know, that people are busy and they don't need a pastor, especially in the age of Facebook, podcasts, ebooks, seminars, different meetings? Oh, poor old Jesus, he didn't know. He said you needed a pastor. Amen. So the Bible says that, do you see a planted plant can flourish, but a potted plant never will. So my wife, she's done so much better. This is a thing of the past. But for many years in our life, we, you know, we're gardeners now, but for many years we were wannabe gardeners. We were play with it gardeners. And uh, my wife would go to the store and she would come back and man, the back car, the, you know, the truck's filled with potted plants, garden plants. And many among them were tomato plants. All right, how many of you love a garden tomato? Oh my God. How many of you have gotten a wonderful big garden tomato off a potted tomato plant? You never have. Well, what she would do is, you know, it's tiring to go into town and drive all there and buy all that and load it and then unload it by the garage. So she's not going to take the tomato plant out and put it in the ground right then. She's got to go rest. You understand how it is. And so she says to herself, self, we'll put those potted plants together. And so a week goes by. And those potted plants start looking pretty sad. They begin to dry up. Now what she'll do is say, you know, I'm busy. I can't get to that right now, but I'm going to splash a little water on those tomato plants. Just splash a little water. And so what is she doing? Keeping them alive. And that's what a lot of Christians are out there doing, floating around. The best they could say is, I'm staying alive, staying alive, staying alive. But your leaves look really sad. And there's no fruit on your life. There's no evidence over the longer term of the blessing of God on your marriage, your relationships, your finances, your prayer life, your anointing, the divine assignment, the call that's on your life. Because it takes being planted. Only when my wife took the time to cultivate the soil 
and put the... It's no more a potted plant. It is a planted plant. Only then in the right nurturing. You're not done then, are you? You have to nurture. Someone's got to come along and nurture that plant. Shine the light on that plant. Water that plant. And what happens if the plant goes, you know what, I don't like this, you know, no, no, I, I don't like the, the color of, I don't like the color of her pot she waters me with. I'm going to climb back in my pot and go to another garden. That's what Christians do. I don't like the color of their carpet. I don't like the style of their music. I don't like the way they check in kids at the nursery. So I'm going to get back in my little pot and I'm going to go somewhere else. You're never, you just keep doing that. You're never going to be fruitful. I'm preaching a lot better than you're amening right now. Amen. The flourishing place is one place. Planted. In the right soil, where you get the right sunlight, the right amount of water, and the right nurturing, and the right care, only then can you begin to flourish and your life begin to reflect all these things. I cannot tell you time would fail me words would fail me to tell you what the last 25 years planted in the local church has done for my life the sicknesses and the disease i don't get the tragedies and accidents i have not had the finances that have come the prayers that have been answered the things that i have learned the prosperity, the blessing that's on my marriage and upon my children. Amen. And, and the, the way they think and the wholeness and soundness of their minds. And I tell you what, even in this turbulent, turbulent time, my children have been an encouragement to me. Like I'll be coming along, man, I've been, I spent too much time on parlor or whatever, and my son will walk in like he did yesterday, the day before, and he'll say, Psalm 91, Dad. Psalm 91. Amen. Hallelujah. He's the one that pointed out to me Psalm 37 that has been such a blessing to you all if you're paying attention. And people have gotten it on Facebook as I've counseled them. Start reading Psalm 37 every day. It'll bless you. It'll tell you what God's going to do with the wicked and what He's going to do right in the midst for you. Psalm 37. That's my son. I knew. I've read Psalm 37 many times. But my son goes, oh, Dad, have you read Psalm 37? I said, read it to me, son. I've been reading it every day. But you know what? My, all of my, my girls are like that, too. They do same time, same type of thing. Amen. Where'd they get all that? Not just from good parents. Their belief system, their heart for God, it was all nurtured because we ourselves have been planted. Now, does we haven't read the whole thing yet. Does it say where the flourishing place is? We know the flourishing place is a planted condition. Right? But where? What is the soil that produces this wonderful fruit? The house of the Lord. Planted in the house of the Lord. I was reading Pastor Nancy's book called Visitations from God. It's in our bookstore. And that's kind of a tricky title. She's pretty clever. All the glory seekers. Ooh, Visitations from God. I need to go read that book. Well, it's all about the pastor. You know, you're, this is what she said from the scriptures. She's making this argument. Your pastor is a visitation from God. You know, the outcome of our lives 
in large part, is going to determine how we treat and how we respond to the very few divine appointments He brings into our lives. There'll be moments, crossroad moments, where you were like me, lost without a clue. And God brings someone strategic into your life. And how you respond, how you react, and how you treat that moment and that divine connection can determine the course and the ultimate outcome of someone's life. I don't know how many books over the years, uh, the green one, following God's plan for your life, that I have given out, given out to, to help people who were needed to get on course and get on track. And I would come back later and say, you read that book? No. Where is it? I don't know. But see, as a, as a struggling college student, I was standing in Cheryl's kitchen, dating her daughter, where their family pastor was over for dinner. I'm living 120 miles away from Kenneth E. Hagin's headquarters. Never heard his name. And he hands me that green book. Say, read this, it'll help you. Well, I didn't throw it in the trash and I didn't neglect it. I actually read the thing. And it changed my life, changed the course of my life forever. Because of the truths of God's word that I'd never heard before in that book. How could it have such an impact on me? Because of the way I responded to it. I honored it. I paid attention. It was a, it was a divine turning point moment in my life. When I stood up in the balcony of my denominational church, you've heard the story, right? How many of you can tell me what I'm about to tell you? What happened to me? I stood up, I hit my head on what? An invisible ceiling. And then what happened to me? I heard the word of the Lord. What did the word of the Lord say? If you want all I have for you, you'll have to let me lead you on from here. Is that a divine moment? Is that a critical turning point moment in my life? What if I'd have responded the other way? I must have had too much Pepsi or peanuts. And just go on and ignore that. What if I just say no because I didn't want to rock the boat? I didn't want to leave my family church. This is where we'll always go. This is where Cody's go to church. You know, it's where mom and dad went to church. How many times have I heard that sad story? Would I be here? Would we have this moment? You might, but not with me. The outcome of my life physically, financially, mentally, emotionally, materially could be fundamentally different. But I responded. I let God lead me. You know who he led me to? Not a church. Yes, a church, but a pastor. And for two years, I sat in that church dumbfounded in awe, like I was dizzy or confused. And if I got anywhere near that man for two years, I shook. Not in fear, but I shook in reverence of how God was using that man to change my life every Sunday. As I sat under the pastor's ministry and heard his word from the word. You getting this? The, any flourishing and blessing you see in my life, it's not by accident and it's not because I'm that good, that smart, that lucky or nothing. I come from nothing. I'm an Okie from Muskogee. My mom was burnt, born into a one-room house with dirt floors. Amen? It's my wife and that side of the family that goes all the way back to King Louis V and, you know, and everybody else. You're right? Amen. 
What is this? What's it say? Those that be planted in the house of the Lord shall flourish. There's the word again. In the courts of our God. They shall still bring forth fruit in old age. They shall be fat, which is a word that means prosperous. Amen. And the third time we see in verse 12, flourish. In verse 13, we see flourish. In verse 14, we see flourishing throughout the whole of one's life. So instead of being diminished, instead of being less fruitful as you get older and, and just being aged and, and getting broken down and decrepit, no! If you come to church and live there and pay attention and learn and grow, amen, you'll be the most fruitful, the most anointed, the most strong, the, the best blessing will be in your last years. And then if you have faith and you do it right, if the Lord tarries is coming, you're going to go home and be with the Lord. You bust out of here without tubes, without sickness, without dying by yourself in a nursing home. You just, there's Jesus, goodbye. Goodbye, old world. We need to change our mind. We need to change our way of thinking. We need to do it fast. Because the last days are upon us. Perilous times have come. If you hadn't figured that out by now. Amen. And among the many things that you need to navigate this time and this moment, amen, successfully, is a church and a pastor. So in your seat card, there is a blue card. There somewhere. Listen, if you don't know how long, I'm not talking about in the next week or month, or either, but how long are they going to let us come and meet? Amen. So if I, if I have to end up going house to house to tend this flock. Do I know your name? Have you made a commitment? Have you planted yourself? Do I know you enough to think about you? I'm trying. But you have to strengthen your connection with whoever God's assigned you to. And if it's not me, go find them. Amen. Go find them. Amen. Praise God. Now, I don't have time, but I had five benefits of having a pastor. I did. I didn't get to them. Sorry. Amen. The fifth one I was going to share with you, I'll make this my closing one, is, is protection. Think about the dynamic of a shepherd and a sheep. What happens, you know, this happens to us at times. We have, uh, we have rogue chickens. A few of them. We have Rogue One and Rogue Two. They are Americanas. And I built this fence to keep them in my backyard. And they're rogue because they have learned that they can hop that fence. So they're rogue. And then they've taught a few of their friends how to be rogue. But some of them have figured out how to hop over, but they're not smart enough to hop back over to get in the chicken coop before the predators come. Who, what chickens do you think we lose? The ones that don't come home. They get eaten by raccoons and possums and coyotes, all symbolic of the devil and demons. Christian out there, you need to come home. You need to come home. 
You need to get off your couch. You need to stop being corona lazy. And you need to come church. I'm just telling you. Well, I'm scared. Jeremiah 23 says, if you have a pastor and listen to your pastor, that pastor's ministry will drive fear out of your life. Amen. To do, to, to ignore what I'm telling you is to imperil your own life and everyone connected with you. And you're responsible, parents, for those children. You're responsible for the children. Amen. Because ballet and t-ball and all of that will not do for your children what planting their lives in the house of God will do for them. Pastor, you preach it. I'm going to keep preaching that until I get 100% compliance. Because again, you know, those shit, I don't have to do anything. You know, as the sun begins to dawn, you know, to, to, to crest, those chickens, they know where the flourishing, they know where the safety is. And it's together in an enclosed, locked, and there's, there's no chicken goes out and locks the door. There is no chicken. They can be in the coop. But none of the chickens can lock the door. It takes a chicken shepherd. I mean, it takes a shepherd. To shut and lock the door, to ensure, and that's, if, if we lose a chicken because we forgot to, put the, to lock the door, that is a shepherd's failure. There is a hedge of spiritual protection. The Bible says in 1 Peter chapter 5, and I am closing, that, uh, that we have an adversary. The devil, and he walks about like a roaring lion. Lions eat chickens and sheep and prey. And that he's roaring about seeking whom he may devour. Do you know whom he may devour? The sheep and the chickens that don't come home who think they can brave the darkness alone. There is, you know, do you, do you have a strong enough connection with your pastor that you have, you have someone with that anointing that came from Jesus that is saying, that is in their prayer life saying, Father, you've given me this responsibility. I'm praying for my sheep like I did this morning. Keep them by the power of God. I plead the blood of Jesus Christ over them. I declare no weapon for them. Do you have a pastor praying that for you? You know, I'm responsible for your overall spiritual well-being and otherwise. Do you have someone under that anointing that has that assignment on their life saying, you know what, I noticed that brother so-and-so, father, they're struggling to receive their healing. I'm their pastor. Would you help me? Talk to me. Would you help me to help them receive their healing? Do you have someone praying that kind of prayer for you? Because if you've not made a covenant with me, I love you and I, I, I'm not saying I won't try to pray for you. But you see what I mean? I, I had someone leave me a few years ago. I had this, you know, they left me for whatever reason. They're mad at me. And they left. And then within 24 hours, they've messaged me on Messenger saying, would you please pray for me? My response was, of course I will. But you understand, you broke covenant with me. I am not your pastor according to your own word. 
I don't have the spiritual authority I had yesterday. Because you, I will do whatever I can, but I can't guarantee you that I can get the result with heaven that I could before because you broke fellowship with me. Do you want to fix that? No. Fine. I'll still pray for you. I've had that over and over. Within 24 hours, another couple broke fellowship with me over nothing, over stupid. And then the husband breaks his back the next day. And I'm not trying to bring any correlation. I'm just saying the next day he broke his back. That's what happened. The wife messaging, please pray for my husband. Please pray for him. I will. I will. And I didn't say it to him then, but I'm thinking, oh God, they are sheep without a shepherd. You know, every night in Israel, on the hills, they'll either have a permanent structure of brick, fence, or something. Many times, if they're traveling from pasture to pasture, before it got dark, the shepherd would build with limbs and thorns and a hedge, a circle with one opening. With one opening. And the shepherd would stand and he would call. The Bible says that my sheep hear my voice. Do you know the voice of your shepherd? And those sheep would come in into the safety of that fortified place for the night. And the shepherd would spend the night in the opening. I have someone today, spiritually, that is sleeping in the opening of access to my life. And I'm just saying to you, now would be a great time to join the church if you haven't joined the church. Amen? Now would be a great time if you broke fellowship with someone God called your pastor to go back and say, I am sorry. And get yourself rightly connected. You mean in fear? Yeah, if that's what it takes to get right. Amen. You can see those chickens like the, we had this this last week. Uh, I woke up in the morning, went out to let the chickens out, and there's one outside the fence. And it was scurrying around in a frantic pan. I mean, oh, I am not where I'm supposed to be. And it wasn't much of a fight. I walked right over that chicken, picked her up, and put her back over where she belonged. She didn't even fight me. Amen. There's a hedge of protection. Amen about our lives, when we conform our life and family to the plan of God in the Bible. Amen? Did you get anything out of that today? Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. And if you've been here and you're, you know, listen, you can be here and come and attend. But if you don't listen and you don't honor what you hear right. and you don't make any changes, you don't do anything with what's preached, it's as if you are not here. Just showing up is part of it, but it is not near enough to get the benefits of a flourishing life. Amen? Amen. Father, we love you.